Northwestern Medicine, relentless in their pursuit of better health care. Learn more at nm.org slash better. And we welcome in Dr. Kevin Most, Chief Medical Officer, Northwestern Central DuPage Hospital. Good morning, my friend. How are you? Good morning, Dean. I guess uh, fall is here, huh? Yeah, it's uh, almost winter-like. <laughs> Actually, it's pretty chilly outside. But uh, yeah, it's crisp, invigorating. Um, but sad news this morning, uh, following the news of the death of Matthew Perry, uh, as we were saying earlier, it's uh, far too early to uh, speculate as to the actual cause of death. Uh, but I did want to ask a couple of questions uh, regarding his uh, medical history, which uh, involves uh, severe uh, drug use, severe alcohol abuse, uh, the misuse uh, and overuse of uh, opioids, uh, such that he was hospitalized for five months after a ruptured colon uh, that left him with a 2% chance of survival following that surgery. He was in the hospital for uh, five months uh, following all of that. So given uh, all of this, what you know, and he says that he, he finally licked it after relapsing 60 times uh, in uh, rehab, uh, after spending $7 million on rehab that he says that he finally licked it when his book came out last year. Uh, but what kind of cumulative effect does that much drug and alcohol abuse have on a person's body where does that leave them in trying to lead a normal life following kicking the addiction yeah it's difficult and like you said sad that that it ended this way um when we look at people with long-term use of drugs and alcohol one of the biggest things we look at is the liver the liver is this detoxification organ in our body and when we damage it to a point where we go into liver failure we really have major, major problems. That's one. Two, uh, it, it has a long-term impact on your brain, not only your cognitive functions, but also all the things that the brain is responsible for, which includes breathing and includes your heartbeat. And so we know that people who have long-term uh, issues with that can have breathing problems, can have cardiovascular problems, and can have liver problems. Not surprising that he had the colon issues. You know, we know that there is the colon and, and uh, small intestine as well as large intestine dysfunction with opioid use. Um, you know, he beat that. And then, uh, unfortunately, you know, what happened yesterday? What about uh, effects of the, on the heart? Yeah, absolutely. He can have long-term cardiovascular complications, not only with the heart rhythm, but the heart can fail. So he can go into heart failure because of the uh, drug abuse. So certainly, um, drug uh, drugs will impact the heart in a long-term effect. So, you know, the alcohol a little bit more on the liver than on the heart, but certainly would be on the heart as well. But certainly, the opioids on a long-term effect can cause long-term heart failure. And all of this, uh, you know, years after any uh, actual taking of any of the drugs or alcohol, he said that he was clean said that he had, had been sober for a very long time, but all of these things still having a cumulative effect years after actually taking the drugs? Well, certainly we know that the liver can do a couple things. One, it kind of can rally, um, but also if it gets to a point where it completely fails, that's why we do liver transplants in individuals. 
Um, but sometimes stopping the drug and stopping the alcohol, the liver can come back and function almost normally. The heart, however, is going to be more of long-term. Once we do damage to the heart, whether it be from a heart attack or whether it be from drug use, the heart doesn't regenerate itself. So we have to learn to live with the failing heart that we have. Now, that being said, you know, since he died in a hot tub, did he go into an arrhythmia where he lost consciousness? That's very possible. Did he stop breathing? Very possible. A lot of speculation as to what exactly occurred at that time. But when you look at the long-term effects of the drugs that he was on between the opioids and the alcohol, it certainly would make sense that this is going to end up being a cardiovascular incident. Yeah, the unconfirmed reports from source, going to quote sources, uh, say that he drowned in the jacuzzi. Uh, so, you know, we we don't know. It would, we would be completely speculative of saying, how did that happen? Uh, that's something that we would have to wait for. It, would it be toxicology reports, full autopsy? How do they determine uh, what may have happened to Matthew Perry? Yeah, you, you hit the two things right there. They would do toxicology to see if there was any drugs in the system that would have caused him to lose consciousness and slide, or then they will also look at his heart and lungs to see, did he go into an arrhythmia? Was there heart damage noted there? And is was there something going on with his lungs as well? So it'll be a full autopsy. I would imagine it'll be a full autopsy with the toxicology. Would it have made any difference that he was in a jacuzzi, you know, a pool of generally pretty hot water, uh, I know when I've gotten into jacuzzis, you know, I feel my heart racing a little bit when I, you know, when you get in because it's, uh, you know, it's a different temperature. Could that have had uh, any play, play to factor at all? Certainly. When we get into uh, that jacuzzi, get into that warm water, our body vasodilates. In other words, we get, you can almost feel how flush you get. When yeah. that happens, your blood pressure will drop a little bit. So if it just happened as soon as he got in and his blood pressure dropped and he couldn't respond to that, that certainly could, could happen. Um, so not unusual that you do feel that flush feeling when you get in. The body has to pump blood now to all, all the extremities a lot more than it normally would. And you do see a slight dip in your blood blood pressure at that time. Uh, he was uh, an avid tennis player, always had been. Uh, sources close to him say that he played two hours of pickleball yesterday uh, before before going home and getting into the hot tub. Uh, could that have had uh, some effect on any of this? No, actually, that would almost take the opposite view, right? That he still was uh, active, that he was still working the muscles, working on his balance, doing all the things that we should do and get out and be active. So if you would have told me, hey, he had been an active tennis player and had not played for a period of time, showing me, oh, maybe his heart was failing. Maybe he was having difficulty with activities. But for him to go out and play an activity for two hours prior to that, almost shows you that he still was in fairly good shape. Pickleball's not as active. I know people are going to laugh saying you know, it's not as active as tennis or running, or, but certainly it is active if you do it. So um, just, would that have stressed his heart to a point? Probably would have happened while he was playing pickleball instead of hours later. Yeah, I mean, he was 54 years old. I mean, he, you know, uh, slowing down like we all do when we get a little older, right? To Instead of f- full full court tennis, but pickleball is still pretty active, though. I mean, you're still uh, raising your cardiovascular uh, system up by, by playing the game, which, you know, makes me believe 
uh, you know, people are wondering, you know, did he get back on drugs? Did he did he uh, relapse? But if you're that active, uh, you know, playing pickleball, which he did all the time, apparently, according to sources, you couldn't have been too relapsed in order to have that much physical activity, I would think. Yeah, you know, it really varies again. And, and drug abuse, unfortunately, has this wide spectrum, and it's very difficult to say. And like we said, we'd be speculating. But certainly if he's playing an activity on a real regular basis and interacting with people, we'd say, oh, that's a very good sign. But, I mean, I hate to tell people, but looking out, you, you see people who are drug addicts that you don't even know who are drug addicts, you know, that they are taking, whether it be opioids or cocaine, that you don't even know that that's individuals. When you look at how many people actually have drug abuse in this country, you would be surprised at the number of people that you probably interact with on a regular basis who abuse drugs inappropriately. So whether it be alcohol or drugs, but certainly we know that him just being able to do an activity would not neglect that he could still have gone back and and was abusing. Yeah, we hear so much about the uh, abuse of opioids. Uh, That is, despite everything that's been said about them and the danger about them, that's still a major problem, isn't it, in the general population? Oh, it's an, uh, an enormous problem. I mean, I can't even say how big the problem is. Just look at the number of overdoses that we continue to see. You know, individuals, we would hope that now people start to have Narcan in their homes on a regular basis. We, you know, we started out where that used to be a prescription. Then we put it in first responders. Now we have it in, in vending machines in the city of Chicago. I mean, we want to make sure that that medication is out there because opioids, unfortunately, stop the breathing. And, you know, you will die pretty quickly with an opioid overdose. However, with Narcan, the simple spray of the Narcan into the nose, the ejection of the Narcan, that will reverse the uh, effects of that opioid. And it's life-saving for those individuals who are abusing and still haven't gotten to a point where they're ready to quit or they're ready to accept that they have a problem. You can still, you know, save their life and give them another opportunity to um, turn their life around. Let me uh, take a break, and uh, we'll talk about some other health headlines when we come back with Dr. Kevin Most, Chief Medical Officer, Central DuPage Hospital. If you want to jump in with a question or comment, 312-981-7200. Dean Richards, Sunday morning with Dr. Kevin Most, Chief Executive, uh, Chief Medical Officer, Central DuPage uh, Hospital. Uh, each week, Kevin, even before you come on the show, uh, the questions start pouring in, and I would say like 95% of them still are about vaccinations, about boosters. Uh, people still not 100% clear on what they should be doing. You know, I, I did this. Should I be doing that? Uh, one that came in this morning said, with all the recent discussions about the risk in getting both COVID and flu vaccines together, does it seem likely they will combine as one vaccine in the future. First of all, I thought you said that it, there is no risk of uh, taking the COVID and flu vaccine together. Is there some controversy about that? No, no, none at all. So, you know, you might get a little bit worse side effects, but as far as the effectiveness of the vaccines, they both work well getting them together. Getting them together actually even in the same arm is fine. So I'm not sure where that question came from, but really I think it is going to be the two shots will be put together, I think, here, if not next year, the year after. That's for sure. A large study is going on right now. 
and the initial responses and the initial findings of that study are very promising. Because we have to remember that, like we said, the two vaccines can be given at the same time. We just had to make sure that they could stay in the syringe and not interact with each other, which is not surprising that they didn't. Because as you remember, with the flu vaccine, you actually have four different uh, variants that you're getting vaccinated for when you get your flu vaccine. So this would just be adding the COVID to that. You you had uh, mentioned to me that a flu vaccine for home could be on the horizon, a flu mist that we would self-administer? Yeah, how about that? You know, we're really starting to look at what can we do in the home more and more. Now, if flu mist, which is available still, right? We, we had we had a couple years where flu mist went out. It didn't look to be effective. They reformulated it and it came back and it's working well now. So individuals who are afraid of needles can go into the pharmacist and get the flu vaccine via the mist given by the pharmacist or a health professional mm. doctor's office. Okay. But what they're looking at right now and testing right now is can we just deliver that straight to the individual in the home and let them self-administer it? Very easy to just put the squeezer in your nose. Often people do it for allergy medicines. They'll be able to self-vaccinate. Anything that we can do to get more people vaccinated is great. That one is probably going to be very interesting and probably will be out next year. Yeah. uh, Talking about the pharmacy, there's been all this talk about uh, Walgreens uh, pharmacists uh, doing a work uh, stoppage. Uh, What do people do if they depend on getting their prescriptions from a Walgreens and there's a work stoppage and they can't get their meds. Yeah. So one thing I would do, and we have to understand that it's more than Walgreens now. If you look what happened just over the last couple of days, uh, Walgreens, CVS, and Rite Aid, all of those pharmacists are kind of rallying together in support. And I think the interesting thing people have to understand is one of the things, they're not asking for more money. They feel that they're fairly compensated. What they're looking for is they need better staffing, that they are too busy with the current staffing patterns that Walgreens holds up right now. So what I would tell individuals right now, if you're getting close to the end of your prescription and you get it from Walgreens, I would get it filled because you don't want to run out, go to the pharmacist and say, oh, we don't have a pharmacist this day. And this walkout could happen as early as tomorrow, but we all expect it to happen sometime this week. I think the pharmacists are going to take the professional viewpoint and make sure that it's, it makes a point, gets their point across but doesn't impact people's health. It may be a disruption for a day or two, but I don't think this is something where we're going to be like the auto workers shutting down plants. Yeah, it's a disturbing one. Uh, 708 area code says, my granddaughter was admitted to Central DuPage Hospital on Thursday after eating a poisonous mushroom. She's okay because of the excellent care, but how often does that happen? Well, I don't even think I've ever... Heard, I mean, I've, I've heard in fairy tales where you eat poisonous things. I don't think yeah. I've I don't think I've ever heard that in real life before. Wow. Well, I'm glad she's doing well and very fortunate at Central DuPage. I'm very proud. We have a, a partnership with Lurie Children's Hospital, so we have a pediatric intensive care unit as well as uh, Lurie doctors there, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, taking care of anybody from. Little kids all the way up to, you know, 17, 18-year-olds. But uh, the poisonous mushrooms, certainly we know that there are mushrooms out there that are psychedelic, that are medicated, excuse me, that are abused. Um, so this individual may have gotten one. I don't know how old the individual is, but I'm, I'm glad they got great care. And, again, that's one where you want to make sure you have a pediatric intensivist. We're looking at your liver because sometimes that can impact, those mushrooms can impact your liver and put you into liver failure mm. and then also impact your kidneys. So 
glad we took good care of her, and I'm glad she's doing well, or he. Glad you could join us, as always. Dr. Kevin Most, Chief Medical Officer, Central DuPage Hospital. Have a great Sunday, Kevin. You got it, Dean. We'll see you next Sunday.